Welcome to Free Chapel Spartanburg with Pastor Javon Ruff. Let's join the service in progress. All right, you have your Bibles this morning? All right, three people over here, dear. Great. All right, I'm going to try that again. Do you have your Bibles this morning? Get, not the screens, your Bible. But anyway, open up your Bibles this morning. I want to go to two places. You ready to get into the Word of God? Awesome. I want to go to two places this morning. Um, if you have your Bibles, I hope you do. If not, they'll put it on the screen. I want to go to 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, 2 Corinthians chapter 9. And then after that, I'm going to jump over to uh, Psalms chapter 136, 2 Corinthians chapter 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. I'm going to be reading from the message um, translation or paraphrase. And it says this. It says, This most generous God who gives seed to the farmer that becomes bread for your meals is more than extravagant with you. He gives you something you can then give away which grows into full-formed lives, robust in God, wealthy in every way, so that you can be generous in every way, producing with us great praise to God. Carrying out the social relief work involves far more than meeting the bare needs of pure Christian of poor Christians. It also produces abundant and bountiful thanksgiving to God. This relief offering is a prod to live at your very best. Show your gratitude to God by being openly obedient to the plan to the plain meaning of the message of Christ. You show your gratitude through your gener generous offerings to your needy brothers and sisters and really toward everyone. Now, Psalms 136, I'm gonna read that real, really quick. It says, oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His mercy endures forever. Give thanks to God, to the God of gods for his mercy endures forever. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for his mercy endures forever. I'm going to come back to 2 Corinthians 9 in just a few moments, but I want to talk to you. I want you to see the connection that the scripture in 2 Corinthians 9 gives. Notice what it says. You show your gratitude through your generous offerings. I want to teach this morning just on this simple subject, um, the proceedings, the precedings of gratitude, the precedings of gratitude. Gratitude is a gateway. Gratitude is a runway that precedes many of the blessings and many of the, the, the means by which the Bible helps, teaches us, that enables us to walk in the fullness of what God has for our lives. And in Psalms 136 was a psalm that was used during the time of temple worship. The people would march up to the Mount of Olives in a, in a procession. And it would be these words that they would say, give thanks to the Lord for he is good his love endures forever. As they're marching up, as they're headed toward the temple in this procession, those are the words that are going out of their mouth. In other words, as they're walking, gratitude is preceding their time of worship. In the procession, they're shouting out thanksgiving and gratitude to God as they're going up to worship. 
What's amazing about this psalm, though, check this out, is that this psalm that is showing great gratitude and honor to God, that it comes on the heels of a hard history. The Israelites could have been bitter. They could have said, where was God when we were suffering through Egypt for 400 years? Where was God when we were wandering around the desert? Where was God when we were suffering under the heavy hand of the Midianites and the Philistines? Where was God when King Saul killed, was killed on Mount Gilboa? Where was God while he, we were enduring the harsh policies of King Rehoboam and King Ahaz and King Manasseh? And now he expects us just to be okay and to be fine, all that we've gone through. That could have been the mindset, the mentality, and the attitude of these people. But if you read the words of the Psalms, the people made a conscious decision to focus on the blessings of God rather than the hurts of the past. Each and every one of us at some point in time, when life hands you situations and circumstances that oftentimes you have no control over, we have to make a conscious decision to whether we're going to just focus on our, on our hurts of the past or we're going to praise God for his goodness in the present. They praise God for his wonderful works. They praise God for creating such a beautiful world. They praise God for bringing them out of Egypt and delivering them and bringing them into the promised land. I thought about the prophet Habakkuk. In Habakkuk 3:17. he said this, although the fig tree have no blossoms, there are no grapes on the vine. Even though the olive crop fails and the fields lie empty and barren. He said, even though the flocks die in the fields and the cattle barns are empty. He said, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. Notice Habakkuk was saying, he's, I, I, what I love about it, he started out with all Although, 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 and then he went from an although to a yet. And when he got to the yet, he refocused and recalibrated. He said, although I've suffered loss, although I've, I've faced hardships and struggles, my family has gone through crazy stuff this year, although uh, I, I don't understand everything that's always going on, he said, I refuse to stay at the although and I choose to get to the yet. Yeah. You know what he was saying? I'm just going to thank God anyway. I don't understand it all. It doesn't make sense all. I don't know about you. Have you had any all those this year. And what we cannot do is camp out at the although. We got to get over to the yet and said, I may not can control it all. I may not can fix it all, but I know who's still in control. I know who's still on the throne. I'm going to thank God anyway. It hurt, but I'm going to thank God anyway. It messed me up in my mind, but I'm going to thank God anyway. I thought they would still be here and they left, but I'm going to thank God anyway way because God is good. God is faithful. He said, I'm going to thank God. Watch this because his sovereignty is still intact. His strength never collapses. His salvation never ceases. God never changes. He's the Lord thy God that changes not. And no matter the situation, no matter the circumstance, I need to know here this morning, are there any yet praises that says I had some all those, but I'm going to thank God anyway. Hmm. Gratitude is the quality of being thankful. It's an emotion, expression, appreciation for what one has. It's the recognition of value independent from monetary worth. It's spontaneous, generated from within. 
John Henry Jowett, a British preacher, said this, that gratitude is a vaccine, an antioxidant, and an antiseptic. As a vaccine, it can prevent the invasion of a disgruntled, discouraged spirit. Like an antioxidant, it prevents the effects of the poison of cynicism, criticalness, and grumbling. And as an antiseptic, a spirit of gratitude that can soothe and heal the most troubled spirit. Oh, come on, somebody. He said gratitude will keep us from the invasion of being disgruntled and grumpy and complaining and, and cynicism and apathetic. Well, oh, we got to learn to keep a grateful heart and a grateful spirit to keep the diseases and the toxins of, and contaminations of disgruntlement and complaining out of our lives. Understand that gratitude is a recognition of the goodness of God. First Chronicles 16, 34 says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. How many of you know that we serve a good God? Even when bad things happen, he's still good. When things don't go our way, he is still good. That's one thing that I've learned. I've just had to settle in my life that God is good no matter what. And his goodness is not dependent upon my situation. His goodness is not dependent on the circumstances that surround me. His goodness does not depend on what goes on in the world or who goes on the world. God is good all the time and all the time God is good can I preach a little bit I'm just trying to teach because we need to get that that's why you when you grab a hold to that revelation that God is good then you can walk into Romans 8 28 to know that he causes all things to work together for your good he didn't say all things were good he says I know how to redeem good even out of the nasty stuff the painful stuff the hurtful stuff we serve Serve a good God. And can I go ahead and throw this in here? It's God is not good to you because you're good. God is good to you because he's good. Because sometimes he's good to you when you haven't been naughty or you've been naughty and not nice. He's been good to you when you didn't deserve to be good to. Come on, you're not always on your on your A game. You don't have all your, your I's dotted and your T's crossed. You have some jacked up days. But anybody know, I don't know about you, there's been times I know the day was jacked up but out of the blue somehow some way it could be a text message a phone call or a visit God sends a blessing out of the blue just to remind you that just because you're having a bad day it doesn't mean I'm not a good God he's still good mm. I want to tell you that gratitude delivers us from a victim's mentality Listen to what I'm about to say. Nothing can help the person with the wrong mental attitude. Nothing can stop the person with the right mental attitude. The right mental attitude to overcome your obstacles and win your battles is gratitude. I'm going to say that. You get your head out, you can get out. You get your mind out, you can get out. A bad attitude will keep you bound. But when you get a right attitude, come on somebody, I'm preaching good this morning. But gratitude... Is the, is the mindset and the attitude that will cause you to continue to overcome. As believers, we have to rehearse the goodness of the Lord all the time. It's critical. It positions us for trust. Even when solutions may, uh, may remain unseen, situations unresolved, gratitude assures us that God is still in control. Let me tell you that di there's a difference between feeling grateful and being grateful. Feelings are fickle. 
They change. They come and go. How many know that? <laughs> feel one day, one thing now and feel something later. But gratitude is a conscious choice and a decision. It's not incidental, but it's intentional. Let me say this. You hear the scripture, but in everything, give thanks. How many of you, 1 Thessalonians 5. But how many of you know sometimes it's hard? Oh, can I preach real good right now? Can I be real with you? Come on, do I have four people that just be honest and say, you know what? There's times it's hard to say thank you. It's hard to be, come on somebody, really grateful. I know I'm not the only one, but it's okay. You're in church. You can repent in the altar at the end of the service, but sometimes it's hard. It's not always easy. But, but, but we just sang that song, Bless the Lord, oh my soul. You know who wrote that? David. David was going through a tough time. David was going through a hard time. And David, I believe in that moment, he didn't feel like really giving thanks or showing gratitude. But you know what he was saying? He was talking to his soul. Sometimes you got to be your biggest cheerleader. Sometimes it's not the preacher on the pulpit. Sometimes it's not the podcast. Sometimes it's not going to be from an outside source. Sometimes you got to learn and start saying, bless the Lord, oh my soul. You got to talk to yourself. You got to tell your soul you've been here long enough. You've whined, you've cried, you've pouted, you have pity, but now it's time to get up. We cannot stay here. The only people that come to a pity party is demons and devils, but God comes to a praise party. And at some point, I got to get up in my soul and says, I'm going to bless the Lord because he's been good. I need 20 people to do it right now. Why don't you bless him? Come on, tell the, bless the Lord right now. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what you're facing. I don't know what's going on, Midtown. I don't have no clue, Brazzleton. Smartenberg, I have no idea. Gwinnett, I don't know what's going on, but will you praise him right now? Yes, you two coming in the online audience, praise God and bless him. Mm. Listen to me. The end times, the Bible said one of the end time signs, listen to this, would be ingratitude and unthankfulness. 2 Timothy 3, 2 says, but know this, that in the last days, perilous time, listen to what it says, for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, watch this, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, Jesus, unthankful, watch this, and unholy. Notice that was one of the characteristics that, that people would just lose a sense of gratitude. Become unthankful. Take things for granted. Feel entitled. The, oh, 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 but. See, the opposite of gratefulness is entitlement. I'm entitled. Entitled to what? If the truth be told, we're all entitled to a hot place in hell if it wasn't been for Jesus. Oh, you don't want to hear that, do you? But notice what it says, unthankfulness. Notice the next thing that happened, unholiness. Unthankfulness leads to unholiness. Jesus, when people stop expressing a heart of gratitude toward God, 
unholy attitudes inevitably begin to materialize. And these attitudes are soon followed by blatant unholy behavior. But it all starts with a sense of ingratitude. Now watch this. Say gratitude. gratitude. Proceeds. The first thing gratitude does, it precedes praise. Psalms 92, 1 and 2 says, Give thanks unto the Lord and sing praises to your name, O Most High, to declare your loving kindness in the morning and your faithfulness every night. Notice what it says. It is good to give thanks to the Lord, to sing and praise your name. Listen to this. True praise is coupled with gratitude. To praise God is to be grateful to God. Not gratitude felt, but gratitude expressed. Not thanks feeling, but thanksgiving. Praise and mouth, watch this, represents what the Bible call the voice of thanksgiving. Real gratitude has a voice. I can't say I'm, oh my God, I can't say that I'm grateful and don't give voice to it. Gratefulness is vocal. Gratefulness is spoken. Gratefulness is seen. It's not just an attitude, it's an action. Watch this. <laughs> Praise God. I love this, this verse. It says this uh, in Psalms 22, verse 3, but you are holy and he enthrones the praises of his people. In other words, when we praise God, it creates a throne room that he can have it. The scripture says in Psalms 119, verse 62, at midnight I will rise, notice that, and give thanks to you because your righteous judgment. God said, I have a remedy for your midnight hour. If you're going through a tough time, if you're going through a midnight time, if you're going through a dark time, he said, here is the remedy. I dare you right in the middle of a dark time, start thanking God, thanking God and praising God. Maybe this was the revelation that Paul and Silas got a hold of because the Bible said at midnight, notice that, they began to sing and give praises to God. They were in a dark place. They had been beaten. They were in prison, but the thing that opened up locked doors and broke chains and brought them out of a dark pit was they began to thank God for his faithfulness and goodness despite the situation they're in. But this is what I want to show you. I, I, I learned something. I learned something. The Hebrew word for grateful can be translated, listen, beholden, indebted, or literally a prisoner of thanks. Oh, in other words, my question to you, are you a prisoner of gratitude or are you a prisoner of ingratitude? It said when your heart is filled, you become a prisoner of gratefulness. I can't help but to praise God. I can't help but to honor God. He's been too good for me not to. I am a prisoner of gratitude. And I'm not going to let complaining bail me out. Hallelujah. I'm not going to let grumbling bail me out. Hallelujah. I'm going to stay a prisoner of gratitude. Watch this. I'm going somewhere. I'm about to get where I want to get. Watch this. Watch this. Gratitude precedes the presence of God. Psalms 95.2 says, let us come before his presence with thanksgiving. 
Let us shout joyful with psalms. Notice he said, come before my presence. Gratitude, thanking God, should always precede the presence of God. He said, I don't want you just coming before me with an asking list. I don't want you to just come up like a drive through and just start making demands and commands. I want you to always take a moment and begin to praise me. Could it be that the reason why we hadn't got some of the things that we're asking for is that we hadn't stopped to thank God for the things that he's already done? Are you grateful for what he's already done? Let me give you this verse. Watch this. I love this in 2 Chronicles chapter 5, verse 13 and 14. It said, it came to pass when the trumpeters and singers were as one to make one sound and to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord. They were saying, for he is good. Here it is again. His mercy endureth forever. Watch this. The house of the Lord was filled with a cloud so that the priest could not continue ministering. Because of the cloud for the glory of the Lord fill the house of God. Do you see that it was gratitude that preceded glory? Could it be that one of the keys to revival hitting the church and hitting our personal lives, maybe it's not a big shot preacher, maybe it's not a big worship service, maybe it has nothing to do with a conference, maybe it has everything that when people's heart on one mind and one accord begin to express gratitude to a God that is worthy of worship and praise. I don't know about you, I long for the services, I long for the days that the glory of the Lord and boy we gonna have them in Jesus name come on but the glory of God so filled this house that nobody can preach nobody can sing that we all fall prostrate on the floor oh my God glory means waited you can't stand up when his glory comes you can't move when his glory comes when his glory comes miracles break out when his glory's prom come chains have to break cancer has to leave sickness has to go depression has to break when his glory comes all of all the power of heaven comes and miracles are performed now watch this here's what I want to show you is this right here generous gratitude let me get to this point precedes generosity Gratitude, listen to me, roots me in the reality of being the recipient of another source. I'm teaching now. Gratitude, listen to what I'm saying, roots me in the reality of being the recipient of another source. Gratitude by nature is the realization that we have received from a source that is beyond ourselves. Watch this. If we are grateful it means that we have received and we're not our own source. Oh, I'm teaching now. Matthew chapter 10, verse eight, Jesus said, freely you have received, freely give. Freely you have received, freely give. I wrote a note down that, that says this right here. The word receive, watch this, refers to all the blessings of grace that God gives us. When he said, freely you receive, you recognize that everything that I have 
is a result of the grace of God. It comes through the provisions of the finished work of the cross. But watch this. <laughs> the land has to first receive seed, receive light, and receive rain before it gives the harvest. Here, are you ready? I don't give to receive, although if you give, you will receive, but I give because I have received. Oh, God, I'm going to just teach a little bit. See, this is what I've been trying to get the whole time. Freely you have received. I wouldn't be able to give had I not received. And so Jesus said, think about how you've freely been given. And because, my God, you should be grateful that grace has been given. And as a result of grace that's given, gratitude should fill your heart that results in generosity in your hand. Okay, okay, okay. Listen, giving brings, and I'm going to use the P word that everybody don't like, prosperity, because it's in the Bible. Proverbs 11:25 says, a generous man will prosper. He who refreshes others himself will be refreshed. Let me give you a definition of prosperity. Prosperity is the ability the ability and the means to successfully fulfill the purpose and plan of God in the face of adversity. So prosperity is not just monetary. It's the ability and the means. And God says, when you give, it causes you to prosper. Acts 20, 20 uh, 35 says this, it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. Watch this. It's a blessing to, watch this, to receive, but God said the bigger blessing is when I give. Oh God, you said, Lord, somebody blessed me, just blew my mind. That's good. But God said, think about that blessing that blew your mind that you received. He said, but there's a bigger blessing that comes on you than when you give. All right. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm talking about the exchange if you ain't ready for this. Gratitude, watch this, causes you not just to be a receiver, but also a releaser. Not just a taker, but a contributor. Watch this, Luke chapter eight, two through three, it says, along with some women who had been cured, uh, watch this, of evil spirits and disease, among them were Mary Magdalene from whom they cast seven demons, Joanna, the wife of Chusa, I hope that's how you say that, if not, I butchered it, Herod's business manager, Susanna, watch this, and many others who were contributing from their own resources to support Jesus and his disciples. Did you get that? Will you back up for me? To ver yeah. Mm, back up one more. No, no, that's good, right there. Notice what it said. Among them were Mary Magdalene, from whom he had cast out seven demons, who had been cured of evil spirits. Do you see what sparked their generosity? Grace. Did you say we had been delivered? We've been set free. 
Then the women said, we were bound up. We had devils. We were messed up. We were jacked up. But the grace of God hit our life. Jesus Christ saved us, delivered us, and set us free. And look what the response was. We're not just following Jesus, my God. We're now contributing because we want others, watch this, to come into the same grace that we came into. We want others to experience the same blessing that we came into. I think about, can I make it personal? Because this is some of your testimony too. When I got saved for real, real in that North Campus, it was because somebody gave. It was somebody contributed. Somebody had a heart of generosity and it, it created a space for me to find grace. Come on, somebody, and get delivered and set free. And now my heart, come on, wants to do everything. I want people to experience in here what I experienced up there. And I'm sure many of you want them to do it too. I got to hurry. Watch this generosity. Watch this. Grateful hearts lead to generous hands. Here's what I want to get. Second Corinthians chapter nine, verse 10 through 13. They're going to put it up for me and I'm going to read a story and I'm going to be done. They'll put it up. Second Corinthians chapter. Here it is. Uh, yeah, nine. Yeah. Is that what I got? All right, I'll read that. Let's go. Oh, I know, I, know, I know what's going on. It's the message translation. That's why. Becomes bread of your meals is more extravagant with you. He gives you something you can give away, which grows in full. Just go to the next verse. There you go. So that you can be generous in every way, producing with us great praise to God. Here we go. Is that not right? All right, I'm going to read it. I don't know if I gave him the right thing. It may be me, maybe me. Here it is. This is most generous, 2 Corinthians 9, 10 through 13. Yeah. I'll read it. It says, the most generous God who gives seed to the farmer that becomes bread for your meals is more extravagant with you. Listen, he gives you something you can give away which grows into full-form lives, robust in God, wealthy in every way, so that you, notice what he said, this most generous God, watch this, he gives seed to the farmer. The King James says he gives seed to the sower. Notice he don't give seed to the keeper. He gives seed to the sower. And he only increased the seed that is sown, not the seed that is kept. So if you want to see increase in seed, you got to sow it. If you want to get seed, you got to sow. And if you want to see an increase in seed, you got to sow. Just thought I'd throw that in there. And he said that becomes bread for the meals more than extravagant. He gives you something that you can give away, which grows into full form lies, robust in God, wealthy in every way, so that you can be generous in every way, producing with us great praise to God. Listen. Carrying out this social relief work involves far more than helping meet the bare needs of poor Christians. It also produces an abundant and bountiful thanksgiving to God. This relief offering is a pride to live at your very best, showing your gratitude to God. Here it is. By openly obedient, being openly obedient to the plan 
meaning of the message, of, the plain meaning message of Christ. You show your gratitude through your generous offerings to your needy brothers and sisters and really toward everyone. He said, you show your gratitude or you express gratitude through the grace of God, through your generous offerings that help benefit other people and serve other people and bless other people. And when we look at the exchange, that video was not just, oh, that's a cool video and I love our church. We do everything with excellence. But many in this room and those at other campuses and watching online have been a part of what we've seen God do in that video. And I love it. But I love the fact that we have a pastor and leadership that are not settlers, but pioneers. That says, we're not going to settle here because we've seen God do great things. Because we have the heart of Ephesians 3.20 to know that he will do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we could ever ask or think. And listen, as long as there are people who are lost and do not know Jesus Christ, we can never stop dreaming we can never stop having vision. We can never stop pioneering and not taking to territory for the kingdom of God. And the beauty of it is, is that it takes all of us, the partnership of the body of Christ to do our part. That's all God asks you for is to do your part to make a difference. I've been meditating on this scripture and I'm going to read this story and I'll be done. It said the harvest is plenty, but the laborers are few. The message says there's no harvest hands. In other words, we don't have a harvest problem. We have labor problem. Which says that we need as the church, as the body of Christ, to keep being those hands for the harvest and those laborers out in the field because Jesus said, it's not coming, it's already here. Come on, I said the harvest is already here and he's saying, I'm looking for a people that will extend their hand and go out and reap that is ripe and ready. Listen to this. This account took place in the late 1800s. A sobbing little girl stood outside of a small a small but wealthy church where she had been turned away by an usher because it was too crowded. That was a mean usher, boy. The pastor, Dr. Russell Conwell, noticed her crying and asked what was wrong. I can't go to Sunday school, she said. With tears in her eyes, she was dressed in shabby, unkept clothes. The pastor guessed why she had been discouraged from attending. So he took her by the hand and escorted her to her Sunday school class. When she went to bed that night, she thought about other children who had no opportunity to worship Jesus. Some two years later, this child would found, was found dead in a, in a poor tenant building, even though the church did what they could do to help her and her family. The parents called the pastor who had been so kind to her daughter to handle the funeral arrangements, which he gladly did. She left behind a little worn-out red purse, listen, containing only 57 cents and a note scribbled in a child's handwriting. And it said this, this is the help build the little church bigger 
so more children can go to Sunday school. For two years, she had saved this offering of love. Dr. Conwell was deeply moved as he read her note. The following Sunday, he stood before the congregation with the, crimple, the little crippled up red purse in his hand. He told the people about the little girl and read them her note. Silence fell over the whole church. Conviction hit the body of Christ or that church to the point that 57 cents would lay the foundation for the new church. He challenged the people to dedicate themselves to raising the funds to, to build the new church. The congregation was compromised to blue-collared workers, so the people not only gave what they could, they worked extra hours, sacrificed vacations, and held a fair net and held a fair netting over nine thousand dollars. A local newspaper learned of the story and published it. A realtor read it and gave the church a parcel of land, watch this, worth thousands of dollars. But the church told him they couldn't afford it, so he sold it to him for 57 cents. Gifts even from around the country in response to the published story of the little girl. Within five years, her 57 cents had increased to over $250,000. Today, that love, today, the church that love built still stands in Philadelphia. It's the Baptist Temple of Philadelphia, which has close to 6,000 worshiping members. Listen, along with Temple University and its hospital, and one of the rooms of the Sunday School building, a picture is displayed of the little girl, and I think they have a picture of it, who made history, along with a portrait of the pastor. I don't know if you've ever heard of Temple University. They normally have a great basketball team, but it's a major university, a hospital. They have tons of buildings and property now. But notice it all goes back to a little girl that says, I can't do everything, but I'll do something. She had a burden to create more space for other children and other people to worship God. She wasn't a millionaire, but I believe she had a heart of gratitude that led to generosity of 57 cents that years later is now providing ministry to thousands of people. And so today, I want to encourage you as you stand to your feet, is that we have an opportunity, I believe, like little Hattie Wyatt was her name to make a difference. And what I'm saying to you today, whatever God leads you to do, whatever seed he has you to sow, you don't know where, where that seed could go. And 10 years from now, 20 years from now, what God can do and multiply. Amen? Amen? Amen. For more information about this message or to join us at one of our live services at Free Chapel Spartanburg, visit freechapel.org slash Spartanburg. Thank you for listening, and we look forward to seeing you soon at Free Chapel Spartanburg.